Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3 with me, Ziaul Raushan, and it's time for Money and Me. And that means Dan Koh is in the studio with me. Dan, how are you this morning? Great, good to be on with you as well. Thanks, Raushan. Fantastic to have you along. Now, we mentioned having a very special guest joining us. Now, the 7th Singapore Fintech Festival kicked off this week which with a large number of speakers and exhibitors participating in the week-long program that is back as an in-person event for the first time since 2019. Exciting times. This forms part of an effort to foster open dialogue between the public and private sectors to advance fintech in the digital economy. And while Singapore has known to impose tough regulatory requirements in the cryptocurrency space, can we truly become a hub for blockchain and finance? And what would it take for us to achieve that status? Well, that's something we'll be exploring today. Yes, we also find out what the latest interest rate tightening by the US Fed would mean for investors and how we should be managing our investment and finances in a high interest rate environment. So to break it all down for us today, we're pleased to have with us on the show Swapnil Mishra, the founder of Wealth Zen and a junk mentor at SMU. Good morning, Swapnil. How are you doing today? Hi, good morning. I'm very well, thanks. And nice to be here. Fantastic to have you with us, Swapnil. This is my first time speaking to you and I'm quite excited for this topic. Now, there's plenty to discuss, so let's get stuck in right away. Singapore as a hub for blockchain in finance. That's what we're going to be talking about first. And in his opening address at the Singapore Fintech Festival 2022, Managing Director of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Ravi Menon, says Singapore still wants to be a hub for digital assets, but not one for speculating on cryptocurrencies. Now, against the backdrop of multiple crackdown on the cryptocurrency industry, what kind of of tone does this comment set for the prospects of blockchain technology in Singapore? I think the tone for MAS, firstly, it's a very, very relevant topic, not just in the context of the Singapore FinTech Festival, but also in terms of the sheer number of applications, you know, probably MAS is handling with uh, companies that are mm. trying to do various things in the area of, uh, you know, crypto or blockchain, whether it's an exchange, whether it's a trading platform, whether it's a execution advisory services. So there are multiple things happening. I would say MAS has set the tone pretty early on by you know, as far back as 2015, 2016, mm. to start experimenting with blockchain. So I think in the in the area of adopting new technology and blockchain, they have been, they've set the tone by being early and okay. not really reacting. And at the same time, the, the fact that they are uh, looking to have a full you know, monitoring and oversight on the, especially on the dangers that we have seen from the speculation that comes along with any cryptocurrency trading platform. So the awareness of that, I think, is it's a healthy balance between doing the right things for experimenting with new technology, but not throwing the proverbial caution to the wind and <laughs> letting investors get hurt. Certainly. Right. That's very good to know. Thanks for that. And what then would it take for Singapore to become a hub for blockchain and finance? And can this be achieved without trading and speculations in cryptocurrencies? So specifically in case of blockchain, I think the project Ubin, which, you know, the, all the information is available, is a good step because it was done in, 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 I think, four or five phases. They completed the entire project. They moved on to the second one. Yeah. So these projects are uh, testing the benefits of blockchain. And I would say one of the biggest advantages it, it, it will bring is, the one, the tokenization. And the second is the ability to use that technology both for wholesale and for retail. Mm -hmm. And that is a decision that, you know, will emerge. So I would say if we are able to do some of these things first as a first mover, then truly 
it will be you know the right thing for singapore to be called the hub mm. for this uh, technology in terms of finding the actual go to market use cases which will be the result of these experiments mm. now sopnil i just want to uh, shift it slightly to something we've been talking about on the show this past week as well what are your thoughts on the need for a digital singapore dollar and do you see it replacing physical cash in the future i mean I think there are about 80 countries which are experimenting with this. Too, right? <laughs> right. I came across this, and it was quite surprising that. And these 80 countries are combined 90% of the GDP of the world are experimenting in some form on digital currency. Uh, so it's it's definitely a big trend. Now, one of the key advantages that have been kind of you know mentioned in the context of digital currency is to increase the reach of the banking services to the uh, to the people in the country, citizens. Now, in the context of Singapore, this is where it becomes unique. Where banking is not a problem. You know, it's not an underbanked country. It is not a place where people are not within the banking network, and hence are not able to be covered by the traditional currency. So, the role that a digital currency plays in the context of Singapore is more a proof of concept, if at all, and their application would be more relevant in probably emerging markets. Mm, uh, right. And then that's something which will be we'll see where you know countries like India will benefit. Yeah, uh, from just the banking part. Yep, certainly. Now, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Money FM 89.3, and we are speaking to Swapnil Mishra, founder of Wealth Zen and adjunct mentor at the Singapore Management University. Now, Mishra, we just want to move it on to digital rupee slightly. Dan, you want to come in? So, Mishra, speaking of central bank digital currency or digital dollar, the Reserve Bank of India has launched the first pilot project for CBDC, also known as digital rupee or e-rupee. Now, it is a digital form of currency notes issued by a central bank and can be used in contactless transactions. Now, can you first talk to us about the differences between a digital rupee and a cryptocurrency? I think one main and the biggest difference is the centralized versus decentralized. So, in case of any crypto, it is decentralized. It doesn't have any oversight authority over here. It is a fully centralized uh, currency. And the main differences between the traditional currency is that it is a programmable. It can straight away go into the wallet. So it's a it's a far more efficient way of being able to handle the currency. But from a safety security uh, perspective, it is not at all like a cryptocurrency, given the fact that it is centralized. So that's I would say that is the most important difference to. Uh, to make note of, and then the second, I would say, feature over here is that it allows the central bank to directly provide access to uh, currency by circumventing the need for commercial banks in the middle. So typically, mm-hmm. a central bank works with two commercial banks. The money is released, and then deposits are taken by the commercial banks, and the invest the clients deal with the or depositors deal with the commercial banks. This allows. The central banks to do it directly, which which such a feature is not relevant in case of a cryptocurrency because it is totally decentralized. Right. I mean, the RBI has also repeatedly expressed concerns about the private cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ether. So, what does the introduction of its own CBDC mean for the digital economy? For India's context, the one biggest advantage will be their ability to reach out to people who are outside of banking system. Okay. Just by virtue of the costs involved in. in uh, ensuring that people are within the banking system and the second is the sheer number of people who are there so just because of the population and the complexity uh, banking is a difficult service for everyone to access and this allows a digital currency allows giving access by circumventing the need for a bank account because mm. you're straight away getting into the wallet so right. you know the person is able to access that so i think that will be the biggest benefit uh, which which you know we can expect from the use of this uh, digital currency 
I would say the second one would be to provide people access to some form of digital money and not make it, you know, that they have to go to a crypto platform for anything which is digital. So I think it will also provide an alternative to people. A lot of convenience there, right? That we're yeah. seeing. Swapnil, since early 2021, it's been known, like you touched on earlier, that 80% of central banks around the world are exploring CBDCs. Now, recently, Australia's central bank started a CBDC research project and announced plans to complete the pilot by mid-2023. It's got me wondering, what does this mean for the value of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ether? Will it be replaced? I think the, the immediate benefit will be more in the traditional space because this is not competing with crypto directly simply because it is not decentralized. So fundamentally, somebody who likes crypto because of its decentralized nature, the digital currency offered by the countries, is backed by a central bank, so it is not really you know, the same as a cryptocurrency. Mm. What it will create a benefit potentially is that the cost of... See, one of the reasons for alternatives to emerge is the high cost of the transactions. Hmm. So whether it is payments, whether it is settlement of securities, whether it's, you know, handling of your trading of government securities, in all of these cases, there's a huge amount of cost that is there in the traditional methods. Certainly. And the use of these digital currencies, even in case of India, it's, they're, used, they're testing it first with the wholesale market. The cost will go down. And the cost going down is a benefit which will actually be the bigger driver and not just whether you want to switch out of crypto and go into this. Hmm. So that's, I would say that is the a bigger contributor to the potential popularity of a digital currency which is backed by the central bank. Understand. Fascinating. Now, Swapnil, I'd like to move it on slightly to the Fed rate hikes and what it means for investors. Just two days ago, the US Federal Reserve approved a fourth consecutive three-quarter point interest rate increase and signaled a potential change in how it will approach monetary policy to bring down inflation. Now, Swapnil, while this was widely expected for weeks, what does this mean for investors? Well, I would say in one word, if I were to answer, it will mean pain. Ah, yes, that's a good one word. <laughs> not, it is not good. And the uncertainty of how long this pain will last will add to the, the sheer amount of pain that is being felt, both by corporates and by investors. So, I mean, if you see the way the, the message has been conveyed, right, you have uh, how quickly the rate is being raised, how high it will go and how long. I would say the speed has been very clearly demonstrated. We have had consecutive hikes this year. Right. Uh, how high also we have seen, you know, they have not, basically people anticipated it will be 0.5%, but they have been aggressive on that front. The how long is the one where there is uncertainty. Whether it will be six more months, whether they will start slowing down middle of next year. And that is, I would say, the open point, which will be dependent on um, data. As, as we as we as it unfolds, mm, right. perfect to give signals. Yeah. Okay. Now that you've set for us the tone, right? Why not let's talk about the effectiveness of the interest rate increases on inflation? I mean, we're still seeing consistent outperformance in the inflation reading. So, is this possibly a case of a policy lag effect, or simply a need for more tightening? There are two three factors that have influenced. Right. So one is which has been hotly debated is the fact that Fed was Fed and of course other central banks also were slow to react. Right. So that's one thing which is attributed that something that they could have done by, let's say, quarter three or quarter four of last year, they delayed it. That mm. was one. Second is the impact that has happened because of the Russia-Ukraine crisis, which is a, a macro event. It is something which was not planned, not anticipated. And it has created significant dislocation in the supply chain, in commodities, which is a direct contributor to inflation. Mm, right. And the third, I think, is the resilience of the U.S. market in terms of the employment numbers, 
I think that resilience has also been something which has been a it's come as a surprise because the expectation was that okay interest rate hikes and you know the the slowdown and you know they, then the pressure to increase rates goes away mm. but i would say these three factors have prevented us to see an impact of rate hikes in the context of either recession or in or uh, a slowdown which then justifies you know fed's actions of slowing down uh, right now there's no slowing down and so inflation is not coming off which means there's no choice for fed but to uh, keep increasing rates Yeah, certainly, Swapnil. Now, the new statement hinted at that policy change, saying when determining future hikes, the Fed was going to take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy that lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation and economic and financial developments. Now, Swapnil, could this suggest the possibility of it being the last 0.75 basis point move? And what are the prospects of achieving a soft landing that Powell spoke about? I mean, if you go by the bond market, they're pricing it at I think around five percent. So, mm. uh, if you go by what they are indicating or what the market is pricing in, and if you intersect that with the comments, I think a soft landing is the best scenario. And at this point of time, I would say reasonably high likelihood of that event happening sometime in the mid or uh, let's say Q3 of next year. But again, that depends on the fact that. There is no pressure to go for another 0.75, uh, which right now they have indicated that it will not be. Right, so mm. it's it's possible that we go with the soft landing, and and so the pain is fingers crossed not as long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with all that said and done, now this raises the question, Rami. I'm pretty sure most of us are curious to know how then should we be treading in this ever tightening interest rate environment? What should we be doing with our finances? Well, don't look at the. If you have a loan, don't look at the repayment. <laughs> it has ballooned five times in certain cases, eight to ten times between February and. <laughs> eyes are closed, Swapnil. Eyes are closed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think liability management for for retail investors many a times managing the liability is a challenge because it's a cash flow impact. Mm. If interest rate goes up on your mortgage or on any of your borrowings, suddenly you are thinking you know long and hard as to. Do I really need to borrow this much money because there's a cost which is very high? Yeah. The second is, of course, your portfolio shocks. So we've seen in the last two weeks, equity markets went up because of the expectation that Fed will not be under so much pressure. Fed came out with 0.75. Market immediately corrected. We saw two, three days of you know correction in the market. So I think portfolio shocks is another challenge, which means diversifying and having some some kind of assets in your portfolio, whether it's commodities, REITs, things which are. slightly defensive in case of persistent inflation and high rates and prevent at least buffer some of that uh, portfolio shock so i think that is uh, <clears throat> that's important mm. uh, good thing is now etfs can all also are available so i was just reading yesterday there's uh, last week there's a new etf that has come out aventis which has a basket of inflation securities basically stocks that do well in the inflation uh, inflationary situation so i think like these can help in the portfolio I think that's it's important to have some such allocation. So, for yourself personally, do you see any potential sectors that you're watching out for that is able to tide us through this inflationary environment? So, companies that have a very strong, you know, business models and and cash flows. So, there are some companies like that. You know, whether it is commodity companies, your things like Exxon, Berkshire, mm. all of these are stable companies which have a good cash flow. Then you have REITs, which. is interesting because it gives you some dividend and it also has a real estate component to it so REITs are a, are a good example mm, right and of course the fixed deposits itself now has become a oh, yes. very important asset 100% class. So yeah can, so you can ladder 
a laddered approach to fixed deposit can also be very interesting where you hmm. can have you know you can get as high as 4 4 and a half percent right so right. that's that is pretty good. Swapnil, thank you so much for spending your Friday morning shedding so much light for us as well as for the listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always. <laughs> Pleasure. Now we've been speaking to Swapnil Mishra, founder of WealthZen and adjunct mentor at the Singapore Management University. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.